Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Proudly presented by worldpodcast.com. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everybody and welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. Every week we bring you insights into different areas of the professional video industry, film, television, online. And this week we're going into finishing. We're looking at delivering TV, television. We're going to be looking at online editing, color grading, delivering to different services. So I'm really pleased to say thank you, Zeb Chadfield, for coming on the show today. Hey, thank you for having me. No problem at all. Zeb, mate, do you mind telling the audience in just a few minutes um, what you're doing at the moment and uh, where you are at professionally? Yeah, sure. So I have a post-production company in London. Um, We've been running for about six years now and sort of doubling in size every year. We've got almost 20 people working for us now. Um, And our whole business is very much built around bringing post-production in-house for our clients. So we work in long-form television um, doing shows like The Island with Bear Grylls, um, and uh, you know, uh, majority factual, but we've done a lot of um, a, a lot of drama, a lot of short form, you know, various other bits and bobs that have come up, come along. But there's you know a, a thriving documentary and factual TV scene over here, so there's plenty of work for us um, to keep us busy. Um, and so yeah, we we our general work is all focused around what we refer to always as picture finishing um so there's a you know obviously as you know there's the traditional approach of your grade and your online um in terms of the the person that makes it all look pretty and then the person that technically you know finishes it all off and does all your captioning and credits and all the rest of it and then gets it out the door um but we in in the factual world you know everyone is trying to um uh, squidge their budgets down as, as much as possible, which actually probably just applies to everything all of the time, not necessarily factual. The whole <laughs> um, world but, over. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I found early on, I mean, I've been doing this uh, for 20 years, um, but, um, but yeah, I've been in London for eight um, or nine, uh, and uh, and I was in Sydney in Australia for eight before that, and then I was in New Zealand before that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, we, the thing that I always found was, um, throughout my career is I've always enjoyed both of those arts. So the, the creative, I always sort of think in, in color work, it's, it, I'm sort of talking 70%, 70% creative, 30% technical. And then in the sort of online editing world, you're talking sort of 70% technical, 30% creative. So between the two of those those crafts, I get a lot of job satisfaction. I get a good variety, um, and so that's what I've always done. And so something's obviously working right with that because as I've developed the, the business and brought on more people working in the same way, it just kind of keeps keeps growing. And yeah, we're doing a huge amount of work. I think I was working out the other day that we've in the last year we've finished almost a thousand programs um, between us. So quite a a I thousand programs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Just drop their little number in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's and it's all varied as well. I mean, we've got the guys working on Takeshi's Castle over here, which is making a, a, a new version at the moment. And um, you know, um, yeah, literally, literally everything. Um, there's a lot of different. Uh, we do stuff for Discovery, a lot of um, US networks as well. Doing a bit for Netflix at the moment. Uh, I can talk a little bit about the Netflix stuff at some point, technically, but um, can't talk about the, the the projects in particular just because they have lots of NDAs and all that sort of thing. Yeah, we're we're all accustomed to being under NDA and saying, "Oh, I'd really like to share this cool project <laughs> I'm working on right now," and then by the yeah. time it's released and you can talk about it, it's like, "Oh my god, that felt like two lifetimes ago." Yeah, yeah. A lot of that doesn't end up being current in your mind. I'm trying to like get myself into a habit about of sort of writing about some things that I'm working on when I'm working on yeah. them, and then have sort of parked ready to release when I'm allowed to. Because usually, once it gets to that point, I'm like, well, I either don't have time to actually talk about it or write about it, or you know. And I quite like to share, you know, knowledge and and stuff. But usually, it's kind of come and gone, and I'm on to the next thing. So, yeah. Do you um when you're taking those notes, do you uh, document for yourself um, the, the great things that have happened but also the things that could be improved on a project for your own sort of development? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm always kind of looking at, you know, uh, 
uh, I'm always looking at trying to make sure that I'm bringing something extra. So anything that we work on, we're, we're bringing something extra to it. So um, in, in the way that we work, um, we're technically competing, I suppose, with traditional post houses in a way um, because we're working in-house with the production companies that we work with. Um, and uh, when you're in that position, because people are used to being spoiled in a post house, you need to make sure what you're delivering is twice as good as what they're expecting to get. Yeah. Um, so you kind of give them no no argument. You know, the work's great. The equipment we're using is great. The talent's great. Um, the, the client really has no argument to go anywhere else except for um, cocktails and chandeliers and, uh, you know, the, the mod cons of, of the fancy boutique post house, I suppose. Yeah, and uh, when everybody's running a tight budget, um, suddenly what's important to a project, um, yeah, gets really quickly prioritized. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. So I'm really interested to understand this a little bit more because you have, um, you're a co-founder with your company, The Finishing, The Finish Line. Yeah. But you collaborate and work with these productions in-house. So how does that work? So, I mean, I'll, I'll go back a little bit. So when, when I worked in Australia, uh, I initially, um, I sort of got in there um, with a company called Crackerjack Productions, which was a small um, production company doing a lot of um, Sony BMG commercials for Sony, well, Sony Music or whatever, Sony BMG at the time. Um, and, um, so we did everything in house. So for me, it was very normal, um, to, to do that. Um, and, and already in my training, um, I had sort of been teaching myself from a very early age. I started out linear editing and then got into, to, to digital, uh, left school at 15 and, and had literally just done post my whole life. Um, so, so yeah, I was, so I, I had, um, first got, uh, a taste for color grading from actually watching the appendices of Lord of the Rings, which I know is a extremely Kiwi thing to, <laughs> to have happen. Um, but I'd been doing a lot of editing up until that stage um, already. Um, and when I saw the color grading on that and how they completely changed the feeling of those scenes and gave every location its own distinct color palette, um, that just like a switch went on in my head. So I had kind of got into doing um a lot of color work but with the 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 basic settings that we had at the, t at the time because i was on sort of well final cut 2.8 moving into final cut 3 and then we got a three-wheel color corrector um so i'd use that and then when final touch came out i was using that until apple bought it and it became color so i kind of always had that that color part um going along but i was always very technically minded as well so the technical aspects came to me quite easy so when i got in at um at Crackerjack Productions, um, they were doing everything in-house and that worked perfectly for me. So I was, you know, there was a Saturday morning music show that immediately, even though I was assisting there to start with, I was cutting that, I was grading it. Um, I, um, within a couple of months, I was doing all the, the captioning credits and essentially playing out and doing the clones and then sending it off to the channel for transmission. So um, that all kind of happened very quick and came very very naturally to me and that was the, the process there and then crackerjack got bought by Fremantle media and we uh merged with grundy and became Fremantle media australia um and so then ramped up and suddenly i was doing um all, all of the the biggest loser master chef australian idol uh, australia's got talent you know i was kind of involved in uh in, in all of that sort of those sorts of shows um, and doing the same sort of work, color, online, deliver. Um, so that was always very normal for me. Uh, and then when I came to the UK, uh, I realized quite quickly that it wasn't that common. Um, so um, especially working, I, I went from that sort of in-house environment where you're working with production and you're all on the same side and you're all working together and all trying to get things done. Over here, it was very much a them and us kind of thing. We're in post and we're doing the, these specific jobs and you're in production and you're in and, uh, and it, it wasn't um, – I didn't feel like – in the long run, I didn't feel that it was very um, uh, productive. I think I, I, I decided that I, I would be better – suited to go um and set something up separate and try and actually just work directly with production um i just liked that environment more uh so yeah then I, it started with just me um after i'd left my, my old company and um and one system which was 
quite big and quite cumbersome to to move around, especially with grade one monitors. And you know, it's not like a little edit system. I can pop up wherever I want. Um, I've got scopes, grade one monitors, powerful computer, all the rest of it. Um, and so, yeah, it's all developed, obviously, as technology's um, evolved and um, and everything's shrunk um, down over the years. So it's very easy. We've got a, a runner um, that just rolls out our kits and takes them and sets them up and blacks out windows if we have to. Um, and uh, and then we've got an office where we do all the deliverables. So it's QC booths, mastering, all the VTRs for playouts because there are still a bunch of networks around the world that are, are taking tapes um, as much as we'd like that to go away. But um, yeah, so so we um, that's kind of how it, how it evolved really and uh, and it works and we've got a partner that we work with for, for sound so you know separate company for sound but we kind of like to see it more as like a um, someone referred to it as post-production polyfiller. It's kind of about filling in, in the gaps um, and sort of we'll just do what the, the part of the, the work that they can't deal with. So a lot of facilities have their own offline. We can roll in, put, you know, put together a finishing system, provide the talent, take it away, do all the delivery. So Awesome. Yeah. And um, it started out with you and now you've got quite a few people um, that work for the finish line. So how many yeah. people are involved with it now? I think uh, technically, because we've got sort of a few back of house people, I think it's just under twenty, and then we're, we we need like another five people, I think, to start at the moment. But it's yeah. um, I'm kind of uh, I'm I try not to hire for the sake of hiring, and also grow for the sake of growing. It's very much like uh, you know you know we have all this work there, and we have all these things going on. It would be good to get in. Um, you know, uh, some some people, um, and the right people is the hard bit, um, as you know. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, and with the growth of the growth of a company, it's really hard to um, keep the ethos and the culture of what it starts with. So, as as you bring more people in, you really want to retain what the essence of um, the finish line is. And yeah, I can definitely understand yeah. that. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely the the, the tough part as well. And, and people come in, you know, the, the the post industry can be pretty brutal, and people come in and sort of tend to keep working the way that they've they've worked previously. Um, and it's about sort of trying to get that out of them as well, because I very much um, I want I believe people get, do better work if they're um, in a better state of mind, you know. So yeah. if we're better rested, and we're um, we've got a good family life, and we're managing to get time with them and to do other things um we tend to do better work and often quicker work as well so you know the, the long hours might not be necessary it might just be because you're tired um yeah. so sometimes they are necessary but you know we try and keep that to a minimum those last last minute bombs will still always go off but if you can avoid yep. them most of the time yeah it's a really health, healthy way of looking at it and i think that our industry is maturing and um that badge of honor of I haven't slept for two days because I'm doing a project. Um, you know, we, we don't say it like that. Mm. It's, it used to be, I felt like um, 20, 10 years ago, that it was very much, oh, I earned my stripes by pulling all these all-nighters, but now we really respect yeah. that people need that balance, yeah. Definitely, and also often now I'll say, oh, you know, so what was wrong with your workflow then? You know, <laughs> so what, what, what was like in your, in your process there, like what yeah. went wrong? Why was it that bad? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's the interesting part to me because once you get into that, then you can figure out how can we fix that, how can we speed things up, or yeah. you know, maybe we need a bit of quicker kit to do that render, or yeah, you know, send something to the cloud, whatever, you know. While you were talking about where you came from, and um, it really resonated with me because I feel like um, I was experiencing similar things. So I came from post production and went into an agency and set up from the get-go, but it was very much at that cusp of um, Apple pulling, um, creating Apple Color in their suite, mm. which really democratized color grading and accessibility because before that, literally, it wasn't really available. And DaVinci, I think, at that time was still around $80,000 a seat. Mm. If, and it, it had to drop quite quickly. I think it was going down to fifty and 30000 <laughs> after Apple yeah. democratized the whole industry really. Yeah, yeah, very much. I mean the 
you know p- people talk about that all the time as well because i'm i'm um a bit obsessed with resolve now i've I've literally worked on everything sort of mystica baselight nakoda um and you know color and uh, even speed grade uh, as short-lived as, as that was but but i i love learning new to- tools and working on new tools i always think they make me better at other tools so yeah. anything that i get access to i will sort of learn it and use it and try and understand where its strengths lay um, and in the past i've always had specific bits of kit where i think oh that is great at this if i'm doing you know a short form um uhd job then like i'm going to jump on that but if software and if i'm doing this fast turnaround um you know doc that's on here tonight uh, i'm going to use this um so there would always be this kind of um negotiation in my head of sort of you know figuring out what is the best tool to use to get this done efficiently um and then with Resolve, especially with Resolve 14, I suppose, uh, it's just there's nothing missing anymore. <laughs> you know, the, the last sort of piece to that really was the um, the shared and collaborative projects. Um, so we could do shared projects before um, where we would have someone doing the online on the same sequence as I'm grading or, or vice versa. Um, and that worked quite well, but they've taken it even a step further now. So, you, I mean, it's, it's stepped up to, you know, have – um, clip-based blocking so yeah. I can we can have multiple people actually grading on the same tool at the same time so when you're in a, in a business where you are trying to make things ultra efficient and get things done quickly and get everyone out the door so they can go home um, you know having that kind of level of collaboration really does take it to another level and so now you've got all the open effects you've got all the, the audio mixing which we don't touch um, but I know a lot of Fairlight operators who have always loved Fairlight so they're quite excited about that the pot- potential of that um, and yeah, then it's, it's just all there. Yeah, the I, the one thing with Black Magic is they have fusion. I feel like motion graphics is the one little piece of the puzzle that if mm. they had that in DaVinci, it's literally a standalone piece of software. Which yeah. yeah, it's just that one little thing that you still see people needing to go to After Effects for motion design. It, yeah. yeah, they do have. So you've got um, a bit like center after effects from premiere there's a center fusion from resolve so it makes a fusion connect clip um, and that actually works in with a with an avid as well which is quite interesting so you can have a plug-in for avid um, and send through to fusion uh, i've started learning about fusion i i think it could be good for me for um some sort of uh, cleanup jobs getting rid of drone shadow or um uh, doing some compliance blurring potentially i mean we can do yeah. all of that and resolve really anyway but yeah there's a few little things in there that i think would would give us a bit more um uh just a, i guess you know another tool uh, in the belt um but um but yeah i think they might do something i, I don't know i was speaking to the black magic like a lot of the developers from resolve and also i spoke to the the main guy from um from fusion over ibc uh, for quite a while and uh, and yeah I think they, they may do something there they're not really they don't really talk much about it and I think the the you know the fusion um, you know their big client base is the sort of 2000 seat you know facilities where yeah. you know they've got huge huge um, um, setups in and so it's um, this sort of I guess um, prosumer, prosumer you know um, independent professional world is kind of uh, new to them in a way so i think fusion yeah. will evolve quite a lot over the next few years um to take advantage of that because um, obviously the price point puts it in, in, a good, in a great place and it's so accessible um even you know the free the free version is quite quite good so um yeah, yeah. definitely um black magic has become the disruptor that we need in the industry otherwise there's just not the development we need and keeps everybody else accountable as well it makes me uh, wish uh, I was a kid again. Sometimes, you know, like I just <laughs> yeah. imagine. And I mean, obviously, all the all the stuff that I've I've used and been through has been amazing training because I've had the the luxury of um, having this industry evolve around me. Um, whereas kids coming in now, I don't know where they start. Um, yeah. There's just so much at their fingertips, um, and um, as a eight or nine year old putting things together and initially starting by cutting out commercials from young ones episodes on that I'd recorded on TV. And then I suddenly realized I could use the JVC video recorder to make sketch comedy and make my own sort of Monty Python or, or fast show or whatever it was that I was into at the time and sort of got into that. And it's, it's kind of been, a, you know, and, and literally from there, 
all the way through, all these new tools have kind of come along at a time where I, when I've been ready for them and, and looking for new tools to learn and, and new, new things to challenge myself with. Um, but yeah, like I say, kids just have to jump in at the deep end and it's codecs and transcoding and, uh, you know, all the different programs where, you know, where do you start? And, and they, on the other hand, they can grab, um, a cell phone and shoot and edit it and do a grade and upload to Instagram. And I think it's just, um, the, the technology is also going to be this layer that's separate from them that they just mm. feel so natural because I just see my own kids, um, you know, and I, we do, uh, you'd know Pack and Save if you've come home in yeah. recent years. <laughs> we do yeah. the Pack and Save Stickman animations, which have become a bit of a Kiwi icon in recent years. Okay. So we'll d- yeah. we do all so the animations. Uh, yeah. So, oh, um, but he's he's been using this application and doing his own Stickman animations and it's just like the technology just disappears. And it's the same with the with the phones and the way that they are just producing stuff, but they don't even know that they are producing content. It's just them yeah. having fun. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't thought about it that way. Yeah. They, they already kind of naturally have the the capability to use those those things because they've evolved with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it is interesting. And I'm I'm really interested to understand. You were talking about the finish line and what you offer, and you're talking about color and delivery. But online, um, mm. onlining, what different disciplines and areas does onlining cover for the finish line? Well, so f- for us, it's um, it's very much. I mean, it, it's probably good to put it in, in perspective as well. You know, we will get two to three days to work on a program, and that's the grade online, um, and then the delivery is sort of separate from that. Um, so most programs, most one hours for TV over here will get two days. Um, and, and so you're talking about, on average, um, in terms of the grade, you, you're getting through anywhere between 800 and 1,200 shots um, for your grade day, and then your online um, captioning, um, credits, uh, and then going through, you know, denoising things you can denoise, uh, resizing things that need resizing, getting rid of sort of crew or, or mics where you can, you can't always because you don't have the time for it. Um, pixel fixer, all that sort of stuff. So again, putting putting those two disciplines together for me um, has been quite beneficial in that I can do a lot during the grade yeah. um, to fix things for the online, and I can do a lot of tweaks in the online to the grade should I need to. Whereas when you break those, those, those things out, uh, it gets trickier. Um, Definitely thinking about your workflows when you break them out, because when I was, um, you know, in a traditional post workflow, the finishing and the, um, and all of that will happen after the grade. So you, you know, you've got to have picture lock and then you go into grade and then you've got the final, um, finishing and, uh, all the fix up and all of that. And then the graphics, yeah, and having that fluidity now where mm. lockdown um, is, just isn't required as much as it yeah. used to have to be. Yeah, or as much as we would still like it to be. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, it, it's just the nature of it. You know, people are trying to turn things over quicker. I mean, we've got some one-hour programs. They, they cut the episodes uh, within a week, and these are like, you know, have a ton of drama and a ton of archive, and um, and they've got their sort of – their, their cuts they just have to hammer them out you know so you, it's um and at that stage it comes to us and suddenly you're going to find that some things aren't working because you've not had the time to really even consider it so yeah. Um, yeah so it's it's just part of it and um and then you know then it becomes a question of you know how much can we smooth out you know you've got a bunch of um day shots in the middle of the night and we're going to make that do the day for night thing make it sort of look like night can we do it? Sometimes it just really doesn't work, you know, then having access to, to fix that quickly as well. Um, yeah, there's, it's, you've got to really think on your, on your feet. There's a, it's, um, yeah, it's all happening quite, quite quick. And then it's often on air that night or the following day. So now delivery, that must be massive because in this day and age, we've got so many, um, formats and, um, that has been acquired, and now with okay. delivery and um, the diversity of both broadcast and online delivery, yeah, what's, what does that landscape look look like for you now? 
I think um, so delivery, I mean, delivery is something that I really enjoy. Uh, so luckily, that's a big part of our, our business. Um, because I think it's something that not a lot of people really dig into in terms of trying to, to get their head around it. Um, but in the UK, it's relatively simple uh, because there's we, we have something called the Digital Production Partnership over here. So they um, they have sort of streamlined uh, process. I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with everything that they've decided, but I'm allowed that liberty. Uh, but uh, at least um, it streamlines it. So every broadcaster here um, pretty much takes the exact same file, which is an ABC Intro 100, um, OP1A, MXF. So it's nice and easy. And there is software around now um, that allows you to insert into those files, which is kind of the big one. That was the big thing that everyone got driven crazy by when we moved away from tape was not being able to easily insert patches and changes in directly into the files like we could with tape uh but we can do that now so um so there's a there's a bit of software cinex which i use um which i'm a big fan of there's a few others around but nothing i've found is a uh, quick and efficient um as cinex insert um and uh so yeah, so then obviously the, the the other side of it is the the US, um, and that's all. You know, there's a lot of sort of um, they've got DNX and QuickTimes, they've got ProRes's, they've got you know um, we've got a few networks taking XD Cam deliveries, um, XD Cam fifty, um, XAVC for some UHD. You know, like it is. Uh, is all over the place. Uh, I'd say my my preference, just for the sake of throwing one out there, would be anything in an OP1A um, wrapper. Uh, I just tend to find, as much as I've always been a QuickTime fan, um, you do get a lot more gamma shifts sending QuickTimes around, um, and they make me nervous. Anything yeah. that could mess up the color of our programs makes me feel very uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, definitely. Uh, <laughs> so but then obviously with the 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 new players like uh amazon and um and netflix and also apple to an extent uh apple's quite easy though because it's just a, an itunes package which you can make in compressor um and that's based on prores but uh with netflix and amazon they've got behind a format called imf Mm-hmm. Um, which is interoperable mastering format, from if I remember rightly. Um, but that's kind of built around. It's built by sort of um, by SIMPD and um, it's built around the DCP package. So if you've ever dealt with DCP, it's a similar kind of concept. Right. Um, but it's the the reason why companies like Netflix and Amazon have kind of got on board with that is that it actually creates a file that you can generate any number of assets from so um so you essentially you end up with this um this cpl which is like a, a playlist and uh so if you can imagine that the, the file itself is a folder with some xmls and and you know various essence files uh, but within that you could have all the different audio languages all the different subtitles all the different um uh, any different cuts so you can have different graphics and you can have one for example one clean master file in there with patches for each bit of text so when you generate um a, a version for a specific region you can generate that region specific version just by selecting the right playlist essentially so um the, an example that someone used which was really good was with um with pixar's um was it inside out there's a bit with the if you've seen it the girl goes out onto the street and in different countries they had different streets so with imf you can say okay give me the japan one and in that one it'll automatically generate you a version where she walks out into you know there's japanese signs on the on the the, the billboards and that sort of thing so um it's the, the netflix sort of referred to it as the the cure for um, versionitis or something like that <laughs> but it's kind of rather than just having all these different versions and you've got a patch um you know there's a boom that someone spots uh in a shot 40 minutes into a film um you can patch make one patch for that yeah. and that's automatically available for every different version that is created from from that um imf a lot more streamlined for the future yes excellent <laughs> I was interested to also talk about the fact that you're into a little bit of app development as well. You've got a handy little calculator available. Do you mind sort of yeah, t- telling yeah. us about that? 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of always sort of doing various things. Um, I, yeah, uh, years ago, I, that was before I even moved to the UK that I started working on that with a couple of couple of friends. But yeah, the um, panoptic time code. Um, yeah, that's a time code calculator. Um, and yeah, just just for iOS, people keep asking for it for Android. Uh, but um, I'm not going to make it for Android <laughs> anytime soon, unless someone comes along and, um, and does it for me. But um, yeah, I mean, with iOS, it's just easier. I, I don't have the time for dealing with lots of support calls and, and emails and all the rest of it. And um, with iPhone, that's kind of easier. And all my friends that are in app development as a, as a proper job, um, they find Android development quite difficult because of the extra support elements because there's so many different versions of phones and hardware and blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to go into an Android versus iPhone thing, but that's just the, the reality of, of the development for it. It's um, time code is such an interesting one when got um, grads coming out because they have never even thought of the fact that you had to deal with different time codes. The, I'm talking about motion design mostly in this area. Those who have been yeah. in film school, any tools that can make that a little bit simpler are definitely needed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's for me, it was all about adding up part time. So you've got, you know, four or six parts in a program. Uh, and uh, when I developed it, there weren't any other time code calculators around. So it was kind of like, ah, I need this. I want it on my phone. Um, let's let's make it. Um, and that that was really the the, the, the reason for it. So I've kind of built it for myself. Um, and then it's, you know, it's been out there and we've had quite a few different versions of it over, over the years. We had to kind of rebuild when they started changing the screen sizes and things like that. But, um, yeah, in general, it, it needs a, needs a bit, a few, um, bug updates at the moment. But, um, but again, it's one of those things that's my sort of little, little passion project. Um, so awesome. Uh, uh, yeah. Now I'm constantly saying to the audience, hey, reach out to me on social media. I really want to connect. And that's exactly what you did. And this is why you're on the show, because you reached out to me on Twitter and said, I've been listening. And yeah, and I was like, awesome. I'm glad someone is. <laughs> and then we, started, we started chatting from there. And yeah, so um, audience, I'm a man of my word. And when I say reach out and we'll get you on the show, that's exactly what I mean. So thank you so much, Zeb, for reaching out to me through Twitter. Yeah, that's no problem at all. It's my pleasure. It's always good to, as well to talk to a to fellow Kiwi because I'm uh, all the way over here in, in London. So it's... Yeah, it was it was funny because I was like, oh, I'm going to get a little bit more of a European flavor. I'm like, ah, oh, sweet. It's another bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, my, my accent's all over the place, though. I was, I was thinking my, I might go sort of full Kiwi by the end of the conversation, but I've been <laughs> away for so long, I don't even know what my accent is anymore. <laughs> uh, what, what part of New Zealand are you actually from? I'm from New Plymouth. Oh, Tadana. sweet. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I studied in Wanganui. So not, oh yeah not, yeah I got that your last episode you were saying yeah my family my mum and dad's family are both from Monganui oh, yeah so it's, it's strange like my my mum's side of the family is all farmers my dad's side's like fishing and you know building and so sort of proper proper jobs um, and then for some reason I was just always obsessed with with TV and film and the sort of stuff so it's kind yeah. of strange but yeah so growing up in New Plymouth um, did you head to Auckland or Wellington to study or did you no you went straight into it yeah yeah I literally never studied so I um basically I I was never very good at school I'm dyslexic uh, and so generally struggled um, the one thing that I was good at was uh, was graphics, and then I got kicked out of graphics because I was always finishing things quicker, and the teacher couldn't explain to me why I needed to do them the way that he wanted them done, because he would kind of go, this is the task, and I would go, oh, I can do this, and complete the task in like five minutes, and then everyone else is kind of still trying to go through the steps. Yeah, um, I'm not saying that to be arrogant, but it was, um, it was quite frustrating because he would say, no, you have to go through this process and then i would say okay can you explain the process and why it's important and he couldn't and then i got kicked out anyway a, a real reflection of what you've done in your career by seeing that things could be done a different way and didn't have to go through the normal processes to be done efficiently and well yeah i think so i think i mean my dad now runs a um 
tourist boat which goes out to see the seals in, in New Plymouth and, and he um, he can't read or write at all he never never learned so I grew up with with him um, and he has has always been quite successful in work and business and various things that he's been involved in um, but always approached everything a different way. So someone yeah. would say, "You've got to," you know. He wanted to get his skipper's ticket as a young man and and couldn't read or write, so he made up a bunch of rhymes to 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 learn the 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 you know. There's no red port left to you know um, to learn port and starboard and all that sort of stuff. So he has a lot of those sorts of things. So I kind of grew up in that environment where it was very much like, no, don't let anyone tell you, you know, that it needs to be done a certain way. Um, because um, if you if you kind of think about it and put the pieces together, you can come up with a, with a better approach. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's, that's always been the thing. And so, yeah, I, I kind of got into edit. I never thought I'd do this as an actual job, let alone have a post-production company in London. It's kind of quite random if I told myself as a kid, this um but uh but yeah it was very much like I, I thought i'd kind of end up doing wedding videos in new plymouth or something like that i never even thought i would get out overseas which is why i didn't learn any languages when i was at school <laughs> i just didn't think the chance of me going anywhere you know it wasn't it wasn't something that i'd experienced from people in my environment environment yeah. so i really didn't anticipate um the life that i've had but um uh, we had a film called The Last Samurai was filmed in New Plymouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really a key, a pivotal moment for me because there's a the stunt coordinator, um, David Foreman. He was um, he was looking for someone to teach him editing and people, it's a small town, people knew that I knew editing. So someone sort of pointed them in my direction. And I'd been working on Final Cut 2.8 on uh, OS 9 at the time on a, on a um, power book that I bought for about, nine thousand dollars or something like that that they cost at the time um and uh, and i was sort of doing some retail work um and um to pay off my very expensive laptop uh but i just saw that as an alternative to paying for university i was like well i could go try try and do school which i'm i know i'm not very good at or i could buy myself a laptop and teach myself this craft um and uh, and so anyway he got in touch and then i um i started teaching him and he was paying me more to do a couple of hours training him in final cut and i and he had the new new version of everything and a really flash camera and all this fun stuff i got to play with um but yeah it was really uh, after that i was kind of like actually if he's willing to pay me for this maybe i could do this as a job and then i decided to jump on a flight to australia and i got a job at apple first when i worked over there um and um and uh, dealing with pro customers so it was before the ipods so i was dealing with people buying computers for design and you know it's all cad and and film people and TV yeah. people, and um, and I would just tell everyone that I'll work for free. So I'll, I'll come and work on whatever you're doing in the weekends or after work or whenever I'm available. You know, I just want the experience. And then eventually, someone put me in touch with the production company I mentioned before, Crackerjack Productions. That's yeah, how I got in there. Awesome. Yeah. And but that was always the whole the whole time. I always did an hour a day. It was kind of from the age of about. I think about 17, I decided I'd do an hour a day of editing, um, regardless of what else I have going on. So get, get a job, pay the bills. At one point, I was working at Noli Means, um, selling computers and dishwashers and stuff. And uh, and uh, then at night, I was working at Blockbuster so that I could get free video rentals. Um, and, so, and then it was sort of fitting in an hour of editing in between there as well. So it was kind of my, my early days. Uh, and and now so many people are doing just that, the dailies, dedicating time. It's become a really big movement. So yeah, you're a man on, on the cutting edge all the way through. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to think so. But yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think dedicated dedicated practice is, is important. Yeah. I still I try and when I force it as politely as I can on all of our staff to say that you have to you know, allocate this time and spend also um, trying to get a, a process in, at the moment where each member of staff will at least spend a day a month with another member. So regardless of, of the type of job they do within the company, that they'll, they'll go and sit with other operators and, uh, and especially for the assistants and the more advanced crafts and um, from the, all the senior operators that we have working for us. Oh, that's really, really cool. Um, yeah, to have the team build its connections that deeply as well, to yeah. not only understand what those different roles are, but to really connect and get to understand the other people in their team. That's that's really cool. Yeah, 
And yeah, I mean, it's, it is, especially for us being a distributed business, mm. communication has been really, really difficult. Um, so, you know, having things in place like obviously Slack for communication and, and, and that sort of stuff. But then also, um, if you don't see an operator, like a lot of our team might not see each other for six months or something. I mean, we do, yeah. um, I, I'll do sort of a, a monthly, I'll say I'm going to be at this pub if anyone wants to come hang. And then quarterly we'll do a proper big staff thing where we'll go and do sort of um, ping pong or darts or whatever and have a dinner and all that. Um, but often people can't make it and people have families and all that. And that's, and that's cool. But um, yeah, trying to get people um, sort of to spend time with one another. So you, you do form those same sort of connections that you would get within a traditional company. Yeah. Um, but I actually think we, we do really well at that now. It's been a big focus of mine. And I think that our team actually see each other more than a lot of people working in facilities do. Cause you still, yeah. you just go to your box and yeah. sit down and do your, do your job and then head out. And, um, but you know, everyone doesn't make quite a, quite an effort to, to spend time with each other and share knowledge as well. So obviously on Slack, we've got different channels for different bits of software. So you hit a problem and say, Hey guys, um, has anyone dealt with this, you know, in resolve or this in avid or this in premiere or whatever it might be that we're, we're working on at the time. Um, and everyone will throw their ideas at them. So you, you get a lot of collaboration in that way. So it's, yeah, it's really good. Uh, cool. Very cool. And now it's time for the pro video packs. So mate, this is the section of the show for pro video picks. So we like to just, uh, give all the audience some insights into things that our guests, like using or like listening or like looking at. So what would your pro video pick be for the audience today? Well, I was greedy and I put down a couple of things because I'm terrible at choosing my favorite things. I've only got one chance. Um, <laughs> but so, No, you can so, come on many, many times, mate. It's all, all right, good. I'll, I'll, I'll come back and we'll talk. I could do a <laughs> post-nab chat or something. But yeah, the, um, the, I, so I've got two pro video picks. So one's, um, uh, I just think, especially because I've been talking about uh, DaVinci a little bit as well, but um, Alexis Van Herkman does um, some... Um, uh, he does a DaVinci Resolve 14 new features tutorial set on Ripple training. It's yep. pretty cheap. I can't remember what it costs, but um, he literally writes the manual um, for Resolve uh, and is a big sort of collaborator with the development team. But I mean, he also wrote the manual for Final Cut yep. 2 and 3. And um, so he's been around doing this a, a long time, but he's also a great artist as well. He's, he's, he's a person of, of many, um, many talents because he films, writes, directs, cuts, grades, all the rest of it. I um, uh, just I remember nice. that book for Final Cut too. That's what I learned on myself. Nice, yeah. No, and he's got a great way of writing as well. It makes it's very clear. Um, but anyway, so he's kind of if you're going to learn something about DaVinci Resolve, he's kind of the man. He no one would know it better than him. Um, and he's he's a great uh, he's great at explaining. Very no nonsense. Very you know chilled kind of dude as well. So yeah. it doesn't feel like you're getting. Um, you know, you don't feel like you're getting schooled by someone. He's just kind of like chatting about this is how I'd approach this or that. And, uh, <clears throat> and then the other one I've thrown in there is Hedge. Um, so it's just data transfer software. It's great for sort of on, on set, um, just getting data off cards onto drives. Yeah. Um, I met the guys from Hedge as well when I was at IBC. And they're an awesome, awesome lot, and they're based in the Netherlands, actually. Um, and they've re recently, actually, they've just started a beta for a, um, a new LTO, like a really simplified LTO backup thing, which is quite interesting. Okay. But, yeah, it's just really easy bit of software. So, and we've started actually using it in the office for everything because you can set um, a file naming convention. So you can say, whenever I copy um, something put this date on the front of it or whatever it is that you want to do. So it'll do all its checksums and all the rest of it. But um, it means that I'm pedantic about getting folders named so that they're current. So I can always see what the most up-to-date version is. So if something's been transferred off a drive anywhere onto our shared storage, then um, then it's always going to have the date that Hedge is embedded into it at the time of the transfer. Cool. So it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah, um, Hedge is really good because you can have multiple um, sources that it's copying from and then have it do duplicate um, copies to a couple of drives at the same time when you're mm. shooting. Um, I, I've heard a lot about Hedge over the last few years listening to the Go Creative show. They've, okay. Yeah, because they've been a sponsor of that show for quite a while. Uh, and, um, I didn't yeah. know that. That's cool. No, it's, it's very good. Very, very fast as well. I'm always quite surprised. So. 
and Ripple Training, uh, just a wealth of knowledge on that site. And the guys, you know, they're all legends, all of them. Yeah, great picks, really good picks. Cool. So yours? mine is for the podcast listener. This is Overcast. This is the app that I use on my iPhone for listening to podcasts. The reason I do is I like to listen them, listen to podcasts at double speed. But it's also got a really nice feature, um, a smart play feature where it will remove gaps in the audio. So if there's a podcast where it's a bit pausey, then um, it'll basically smart play it and remove those as well. Uh, I listen to a lot of content, <laughs> a lot of content. So, um, yeah, Overcast is a great one for listening. So next time you're listening to the Pro Video Podcast, maybe give Overcast a try. And um, Zeb, wh- who are you following online? Uh, yeah, well, I don't, I don't so much follow anyone in particular, but, um, but uh, I'm quite a fan. It's worth it for anyone that is in the, the color business or wanting to get into color. I'd say Mixing Light uh, is a great um, resource to get involved with. Um, I've had a subscription for years, and I don't go and watch stuff as much as I would like because I, I don't end up with the, the free time to. But, um, but yeah, I think it's everything is great. And they've even just got you know resources in there on understanding like ACES um, color management and you know, they go deep on um, on monitor calibration, which I'm a bit obsessed with. You know, we we calibrate all our monitors every every month, and they, so they go into a lot of detail on those sorts of things. So it's a it's a bit more advanced than the the stock standard stuff that pops up on YouTube from from time to time. Um, so cool. so yeah, I think mixing lights great. Uh, and then I'm on a few sort of Facebook groups for Avid and Resolve and Premiere and Final Cut 10 and all the rest of it. Um, just sort of generally keeping my eye on what's going on. Cool. Well, um, this is the opportunity for me to segue like a like a sledgehammer, and perhaps you would like to join the Pro Video Facebook. Yeah, I have to do it. Uh, I'm subtle as, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. So, audience, well, if, sure. yeah, audience, if you want to join the Pro Video Podcast Facebook group as well, you can never have too many groups. I think I belong to about twenty or so. I'm following Content Boutique. Um, big shout out to Marco Serra. He is an old colleague of mine and went out on his own and um, started Content Boutique and they've been doing a lot of um, production, filming, editing, colour and delivery in New Zealand. And so, yeah, a big shout out to you, bro. Love you, man. Okay, so moving on. Um, Do you have an inspirational video that you could share, Zip? Yeah. uh, Again, I got greedy. Um, All right, so... Yeah, there's there's a couple of TED talks. Um, just because I love TED, uh, I imagine you're listening to TED Radio Hour. That's a good podcast to pop on if you if you're consuming a lot. But yeah, there's um there's uh one there. Derek Sivers, I'm a fan of, and he's got a video. It's really short, weird or just different. Um, as we're kind of. Uh, uncovered earlier i'm quite uh into looking at things a different way and there's a there's another term called um shaosin was it shao shaoshin whatever it's um beginner's mind which is a, a sort of a buddhist practice of approaching things from the mind of a beginner so you know to an expert there's only one solution to a problem whereas a beginner sees unlimited solutions to problems yeah so weird or just different um it's just a really short little talk from De- derek sivers that um that is kind of about that and so you know it's how you decide to look at it it's, it's not how you know nothing is how it is it's how you decide to perceive it yeah um which i i find really interesting uh awesome. and then uh i should just leave it there but i've i've sent you a couple of others but there's um the how um how great leaders inspire action from simon Sinek, uh, and then i think everyone should read creative creativity inc which is um, the um, CEO and founder of Pixar. His book is awesome. My inspirational video is from Marco. Bit of a focus on you this week, mate. Um, yeah, we need to have lunch sometime. Anyway, it's um, it's a piece he's recently done for a furniture design brand from Lujo um, here in New Zealand. Some really beautiful, epic um, aerial shots in this. And I thought the um, the 
time ramping and the off off speed time of some of the shots really work well. So I just wanted to highlight that for the audience this week to check that out and check out all the other things that we're talking about on the show. We'll have full show notes and links on this episode available on your podcatcher of choice. I recommend Overcast, but whatever you're listening to, we also have all of those available on our website too for every show. So dive into the links that we're talking about today. And finally, Zeb, where can the audience follow you online? Uh, so the, if you want to follow things that I tend to find interesting and share in, in the business, um, I would follow, uh, uh, follow um, Panoptic on Twitter or Facebook. Um, and for, for me and my company, um, the Finish Line um, website is thefinishline.pro. And on there, you've got links to Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. Awesome. Um, so yeah. Awesome. And I've been um, following Panoptic for a while now since you followed me. And yeah. Uh, cool. And I've been really enjoying your tweets. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit hopeless at engaging with other people's tweets. So forgive me. <laughs> I'm usually. Editing or recording or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the panoptic ones very much. It's just kind of a it's a stream of just stuff I find interesting, and yeah. I very much don't don't engage too much. I, I'm the same with all the groups. It's like I'll I'll answer something if it seems like complex and that you know what they're trying to do will be quite hard to get a good response for. But if it's anything that can be searched on Google, I tend to not reply to anything. Yeah, <laughs> because, yeah. yeah, just Google it. <laughs> Yeah, just do the search, man. <laughs> um, the Pro Video Podcast, we've got all the socials going, so you can uh, find us on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Pro Video Podcast. And we also have a Slack group. Really love for the audience to join the Slack group. As you have mentioned before, it's a great way that you can um, ask questions um, and have a more, I don't know, it's more of a... Um, casual intimate quick fire conversation feedback loop it's it's really different to facebook or twitter or any of those other social medias it's more of a closed room sort of vibe to to it so please join the slack group and um you can follow me on twitter i'm at blair walker but yeah we'll have all of those links on the show so check those out zeb thank you so much mate for coming on the show it's been an absolute pleasure Cool, no problem at all. Thank you for having me. And I'm going to take you up on your offer and next NAB or IBC or something, we'll have you on and we'll um, we'll talk all the new features and gear and um, announcements. How, so hopefully you will be available at that time to do one of those shows. Cool, yeah. No, I'm up for any time, any, any chance to have a nerdy talk with someone that, um, that can follow what I'm talking about because my wife gets a bit sick of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I think your wife and my wife would um, sort of have the same raised eyes. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, mate. And um, thank you guys for listening, guys and girls for listening, and catch you next week. All right, bye. Join the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Pro Video Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes.